Welcome to the Druids Grove, where we discuss all things related to Druids, their history, current day practices, and how to build a deeper connection and relationship with the earth. I'm so glad you're here. If you find what I have to share helpful, please subscribe and share with others that may enjoy it, and check the show notes for more information. Come on in, relax for a bit, and I hope you enjoy. Hello, and welcome back to the Druids Grove. So, the last couple of episodes we've looked at symbolism. So there was one episode specifically on symbolism, and then I did a quick one on the number three and its importance in Druidry. And we can't talk about symbolism without talking about the story of Caridwen and Taliesin. So I think it kind of deserves its own its own episode and its own space to talk about the symbolism in that story. <clears throat> so that's what today is going to be about. So the story of Caridwen and Taliesin, they are very important in for Druids and, you know, Druidic practice and and which originated in the in the Celtic area of the world. Uh, ancient Celtic area, and she is primarily known to originate from Welsh culture, but she has been adopted, the Caridwen has been adopted more broadly into Druid's practice around the world. She is important due to her relationship with the Awen, and she is known as the source of Awen. And if we look at the story of Caridwen and Taliesin, there are uh, numerous layers uh, to this story with some deep symbolism, deep mythology. Um, that can be seen when we approach it with that uh, perspective. But, you know, it can also just be seen as an interesting story if you want to just look at it like that. <clears throat> Excuse me. So Caridwen is known as the mother of the underworld. She is the keeper of the cauldron, and she is the poet and goddess of inspiration. She is known to represent rebirth, wisdom, divination, and inspiration. And I read this story before, but I want to just read it again. Um, it was in the story on Awen. But it is the story of Caridwen and Taliesin. And this is from the Order of Bards, Ovates, and Druids website telling their story. So the goddess Caridwen has two children. <clears throat> one a beautiful daughter, and the other an ugly son. She decides that her son deprived of worldly advantages, should have spiritual riches, and arranges at some considerable trouble to herself for a magical potion to be brewed over the course of a year and a day. The potion will bestow enlightenment on her son when he drinks just three drops of it. The remainder of this magical soup is harmful. It is called the baleful brew. The brewing is supervised by an old blind man, Morda, and a young boy called Guion Bach, which means little innocent. And on the night before the process is complete, Caridwen arrives to await the final moment and to take the mere three drops required to enlighten her son. However, Guion throws the last handful of herbs into the cauldron, and three drops splash onto his thumb. Instinctively, he licks, the, he licks his thumb and is instantly illuminated. The goddess is furious that her son has been deprived of the three drops needed and descends on Guion, who takes flight and with his newfound powers he shapeshifts into a hare in order to expedite his escape. Not to be thwarted, Caridwen shapeshifts into a greyhound and continues the pursuit. Guion jumps into a stream and becomes a fish. Caridwen follows and becomes an otter. Guion jumps out of the water and becomes a bird, only to be followed by Caridwen becoming a hawk. 
Finally, Guion spies a, pair, a pile of winnowed grain and dives into it while converting into a grain himself. He thinks that he's well hidden. But Caridwen comes and becomes a hen and pecks her way through the grain, eventually managing to swallow Guion. Miraculously, Caridwen becomes pregnant with Guion and vows to kill the child on the instant that he is born. However, when the moment arrives, she is so moved by his beauty that she is unable to do so, but instead sews him into a leather bag which she casts into the sea. This bag is retrieved at a salmon weir by a hitherto hapless young man called Elfin, who, on opening the bag and seeing Guion, declares, Behold a radiant brow. And so Taliesin acquired his name, for Taliesin means radiant brow. So, trying to find, um, the story is over now, um, trying to find, uh, I was looking for a succinct, uh, kind of just direct version of this story. So this, this was a pretty clear one. And, um, you know, as we talked before, symbolism is all throughout this story. And perhaps the easiest way to look at it is to start at the beginning. So the story starts with a witch, uh, Caridwen is a witch, and she is married to a giant. So immediately this tells us that this is a mythological story. Um, you know, a witch married to a giant. Now, you know, maybe back in the day that was, you know, there are some some stories about that there really was an ancient race of beings called giants, but who knows. <laughs> um, so, her son is born very ugly, so she assumes that he will not be successful in life. She wants him to have everything, so she decides to make this potion that will bestow enlightenment. So, at the beginning of the story, if we look at the potion, uh, it says the potion will take a year and a day. And in Wicca, or Wiccan practices, a year and a day is the typical amount of time that one has to attend gatherings and train before they can be initiated into a coven. A coven is kind of a uh, formal group of, of Wiccans or witches that, that uh, get together. You know, it's kind of this uh, sacred bond uh, within a group of people. So they have to learn and practice for a year and a day before they can be initiated into the coven. And this kind of represent, you know, this year and a day represents the time needed to attain enough wisdom to join with the other witches in the coven. And in the story, a year and a day is the amount of time needed to uh, be able to gain enlightenment. And in Druidry, um, the phase, uh, sorry, the phrase a year and a day is used a lot in talks about picking a place like um, somewhere locally near where you live and spending a year and a day there. Um, you don't have to go there every day, of course, but, but going to this place for a year and a day to observe the place. And this way you can see the whole change uh, of the year throughout each season. You can observe the wheel of the year, and you can develop an understanding of the place and get some enlightenment about that place. You know, because if you only did it for 11 months, you would be missing a month. So that year and a day is kind of to make sure you have done, you know, a full year plus to completely have a good concept and idea about what happens in that space. So back to the story. So she chooses an old blind an old blind man to make the potion. Why is this? And there's there are various theories. But a, a common one is that um, you know he could not know what she was up to. All he was there to do was to do what he was assigned to do without the ability to, you know, quote, see what the plan was. Did she tell him what the potion was for, or did she just simply tell him, you know, 
keep the fire burning, add these ingredients at this time, you know, this is what I want you to do. But did she tell him what it was or is the kind of the metaphor that he was blind to what was going on? You know, so their, their job, uh, um, you know, was just to um, keep the fire going of the cauldron for a year and a day and to keep the potion stirred for this time so that it wouldn't spoil or boil over or get burned. And if we look at Guillaume Bach, he is, he is just a poor stable boy. So what's the symbolism there? You know, he is not um, an enlightened person. He is not important in society. He is just, you know, a run-of-the-mill local boy that was just chosen for this random job. So in, in that part of the story, there's also some symbolism about, you know, needing to keep the fire in us or the fire at the base of our desire and purpose and goals burning and going if we want to make changes. Um, so we need to keep this fire going for, you know, constantly to initiate change. Um, and then the stirring. So Guion was there to stir the pot to keep keep the potion from burning or, you know, if you let something sit without stirring it, it's more likely to boil faster and boil over than if you if you stir it, sometimes that calms the boiling down. So the stirring can refer to the need to keep things moving, keep things stirring, so as not to get stagnant, um, you know, to keep moving to prevent spoilage or stagnation in our progress. So back to the story. A year and a day comes, and, you know, Caridwen brings brings her boy to the cauldron, uh, she is so tired that she falls asleep while she's waiting for the last part of the potion to be done. And while the last ingredient is being added, three drops splash onto Guion Bach's finger, and he instinctively licks it to cool his thumb. So here we see the number three is present again. Um, so again, this can represent the ideas that we discussed in, in the symbolism episode and the number three episode. Um, you know, maybe it represents a unifying idea and its duality or dualistic ideas. It can represent complete balance and wisdom and enlightenment. Um, maybe it represents being able to see into the three dimensions of reality. There, there's just a lot of uh, interpretations and, and meanings behind the number three here with those three drops. So then after this happens, the chase begins. So I just want to review quickly the the animal forms that uh, Guyambach and Caridwen take on. So I will list him first and then what she becomes to chase him. So he is a hare, a rabbit, and she is a dog. He is a fish, she becomes an otter. He is a bird, and she becomes a hawk. And then he becomes a piece of grain, and she becomes a hen. Okay, so if you look at each one of those, the the first animal that he becomes, um, you know, it, it's movement in its space. So we have a hare on land, a fish in the water, a bird in the air, and then a grain on the ground. And what she becomes is what can chase down and catch what he has become. So a, a dog can catch a rabbit, an otter catches a fish, and a hawk catches a bird and a hen eats grain. So in each one of those, she becomes the thing that is able to pursue and catch him, so he has to change into another form. So um, so after she catches him and eats him, she becomes pregnant. You know, logically, this doesn't make sense. Why would 
someone eating a grain, uh, a piece of grain, become pregnant. But, you know, neither does a witch being married to a giant brewing a potion of enlightenment. <laughs> but that's kind of the point of mythology and mythological stories. We're just going to roll with it. So um, if we look at those animal forms, again, we can also see um, the four elements and four animals associated with the elements represented. So the hare and the dog represent mammals, which are kind of similar to the bear and the element of earth. Okay, The bird and the hawk represent the element of air. The fish and the otter represent the element of water. And then the grain and the hen represent the element of fire through kind of pregnancy, gestation, you know, birth, the life force. And some people it's difficult to kind of see this representation or make these connections or to see the symbolism, um, you know, when, when you're trying to connect the dots between the animals and the elements and their symbolic animal that they represent as well. But they, they are there if you want to see it that way, and they have very deep meaning to them. You know, when I, when I was researching this and studying it and I found this out, I was pretty, pretty astounded and amazed at the ability to make these connections, and I found it really beautiful that, that whoever wrote the story uh, was able to get to that depth of uh, symbolism. So there are also three cauldrons present in the story. We, we talked about last episode. Uh, we have the cauldron uh, that the potion is being brewed in. We have the cauldron of Caridwen's belly when she is pregnant. And then we have the cauldron of the leather bag, which she puts the baby in. So again, we have the number three that's very present in Celtic mythology. And then if we look at the symbolism of the cauldron just by itself, the cauldron represents transformation, gestation, transition, kind of from one form to another. And if we look at each cauldron, each stage of each cauldron had an extended um, kind of time frame to it. There was a long time frame within each stage of each cauldron. So this time, the concept and the symbol of time in the story of each stage of the cauldron is, is kind of what's needed for proper change to occur in our lives. So if we want permanent, you know, long-lasting quality change, this takes time. So, kind of symbolically, this means that, you know, nothing can be achieved in a short time that is, is worthwhile. So, you know, we have the first cauldron, which is a year and a day. Um, then we have the cauldron of her being pregnant, which, you know, if we can just say nine months. Um, and then we have the time that, um, that Guillaume was in the leather bag floating down the river. So however long that took... While he was in that bag, he completely went from a baby to this this young child with a radiant brow. So at each stage, there's a, a pretty significant length of time. And then from what happens at the beginning to what happens at the end is a significant transformation. So if we look also, if we back to the story, if we look where the, the farmer finds the bag, it's at a salmon, a salmon weir, W-E-I-R, if you don't know what a weir is. Um, a weir is, um, it's a place, it's an artificial place in a stream that people have built to um, kind of, um, it allows water to flow over uh, over an edge and fall down. It's like a, like a tiny waterfall, I guess you could say. But what it does is it oxygenates the water, and then so animals and uh, fish and other things are more likely to kind of congregate there. And a salmon weir 
is a place where the salmon swim upstream and they can't get up any further. So this they're kind of going upstream as far as they can, and it's this place where people can fish or, or catch fish or breed, breed salmon. Um, but in general, salmon, the reason they chose salmon, salmon are seen as the fish of wisdom in Druidry. And there's also another story, a symbolic story, about a salmon eating hazelnuts from the Tree of Wisdom at a salmon weir. So this, there's a Tree of Wisdom with hazelnuts that fa- that's right near the salmon weir, and they fall into the water, and the salmon eat the hazelnuts. And if you were able to catch one of the salmon and you eat it, then you will gain enlightenment. So this concept is kind of present in this story as well. Um, the farmer uh, finds the bag, and... He pulls it out, and he is able to witness enlightenment. So it's like, um, you know, catching a fish and and, and catching enlightenment. Um, He catches Taliesin, which he gets to observe, a fully enlightened being. Because when he opens the bag, the baby has a radiant brow, which means um, a radiant brow just means a halo of light around his head. And so this, this symbol was also seen... Um, in, in, in multiple religions and spiritual practices, and most commonly in the story of Jesus. Um, so if you go back and look at uh, many paintings back in the day have images of people or angels or beings with uh, halos around their heads. And what this represents is um, wisdom, knowledge, enlightenment, you know, complete understanding of everything, uh, that kind of thing. So what they're saying is that Taliesin has this enlightenment. And, you know, whether the, the artists and the mythologies of Christianity and other ones that took on this meaning, whether they got it from, you know, this, this, this story or did this story get it from other religious practices, who knows? I'm sure someone out there knows, but I'm not sure. Um, so he, when he, he saw the baby and he took him out of the bag, he named him Taliesin, which means radiant brow, um, and and what that stems from is when when Taliesin or Guyanbach took in those three drops of the potion, he immediately gained some powers, you know, like shape shifting and so on. But it wasn't until his periods of incubation, so um, you know, in in her belly and then in the bag, it wasn't until these periods of incubation and time that allowed it, that he was able to grow and reflect on what he was able to achieve and to allow this this inner transformation to become enlightened. So while on its surface the story of Caridwen and Taliesin can simply be seen as an interesting story, there is a significant amount of depth of symbolism and metaphor that we can look into to gain insight and clarity on Druidry. Um, you know, we can look at it as shallow or as deeply as we want to. And there are many concepts in Druidry that are present in the story, you know, and by looking at the story on, on these different levels, we can really develop a connection and an understanding that we can access at any time. You know, you can just be driving down the road or, or walking through the woods or anywhere, and you can think about the, the story of Caridwen and Taliesin and look at the symbolism and, you know, pull something out of it that has meaning to you. So, I hope this, um, you know, going in depth on this has been helpful. Um, again, like I say with everything, this is just an introduction. There is so much information out there. So if you're curious about more, I encourage you to go explore and find it. And once again, thank you for listening.
Thank you so much for joining in at the Druid's Grove. I thoroughly enjoyed sharing this time and information with you. I hope you learned something and are inspired to build a connection to the earth and the world around you. If you liked what was shared, please feel free to give back at Buy Me a Coffee. Join me on Substack, where I have transcripts, or listen on YouTube, and find the group on social media. For more information, check the show notes. I'll see you in the Grove. Until next time.